Could the Hornets go after Dylan Brooks if the Grizzlies don't want him back under any circumstance? We'll then recap Steve Clifford's coaching performance this past season and legend Howard Beck. He joins the Locked On Hornets podcast today. We're Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. We It's Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free. We're available anywhere you get your pods. That does include YouTube. You can see Doug Branson right there. Find his work on his Substack, everyhornetsboxscore.com. And you can listen to me on WFNZ every weekday from 12 to 3 p.m. We are out at Quail Hollow this week, Doug. We're doing the Wells Fargo Championship. We're out there for three consecutive days doing remote shows so it's going to be a grind and it was hell trying to get back to record in time with the uber experience because it's packed we had the pro-am i know the pro-am was today been david waiting tepper. on you. i know david tepper mac brown roy oh, williams great. all cool. playing golf in the same Fantastic. group so quite yeah i feel like you know so here's my question you know i have this bucket hat that i love should i have golf walker meet locked on hornets walker and just go ahead and try to combine forces i'd like to meet any you walker know. you know man I, I would have loved to meet walker you know like uh an hour ago you know but oh, you're big to, but you're big time in me on the golf course i'm sitting here waiting <laughs> right. around I'm, I'm i'm excited to talk about dylan brooks and steve clifford and no you're, you're not, just thrown not on the golf <laughs> you're thrown on yeah i am and you're throwing on the golf hats and big time me talking about David Tepper anyway. All right. That's right. Mm, yes. Hold on. Make sure I got my golf etiquette. Yes. It's golf clap that hat. I got here. Big shout to Phyllis who really helped me out in the Uber hellhole that was trying to sit there and waiting for. Yes. Yes. I'm not exaggerating. I waited for 38 minutes for my Uber. That's what it said. And you're, you know what? May probably even a little bit longer. I waited Uber, for it. Yeah, so. Uber long time. Yeah. And let me say something about the hat too. The hat that you're wearing, yeah. which you really have to go to YouTube to see this hat. It's a ridiculous hat. <laughs> uh, and I, I don't, don't think look good that, in it. You, yeah. You say golf hat. I don't think the quail hollow would allow that hat on the golf course. Um, that's gotta be against their etiquette, uh, their dress code. That is not, uh, you that, think I should reverse it. Is that the problem that here? <laughs> well, we can try that as well. I know you're right. Uh, we can reverse the problem. It. No, I think that I think you're right. The more I think about it, yeah, I think it needs to be the black version. And uh, I think that's what it'll be. All right. No, you're right. This is Quail Hollow-esque. My bad. <laughs> you're so right. Thank you. All right. Let's go ahead and talk about Dylan Brooks because, Doug, everybody was laughing at the phrasing of the report from Shams, from Sham Sharani, excuse me, of The Athletic, who reported that the Grizzlies would not bring back Dylan Brooks, quote, under any circumstance and that phrasing it was trending on twitter because it was so egregious and to be honest look <laughs> it's a, it's a problem that the grizzlies would leak that right we don't know like, do we know do we know for sure that they leaked that we don't know that well i don't reckless, i mean i would reckless hope speculation on this show <laughs> well we love it yes we have <laughs> we used to have the reckless uh, speculation soundbite i don't know if that benefits dylan to release yeah, let's say the Grizzlies don't want me back under any circumstance. And then everybody is championing it, though. I mean, the, the people that respond to that report, they're all with it because nobody was here for Dylan Brooks talking trash and then backing down and then saying the media is the one who created this monster that everyone perceives, quote, perceives Dylan Brooks to be. So he's not going back to Memphis per report. 
What do you think about Charlotte potentially going after Dylan Brooks there, uh, Doug Branson? I think that Charlotte needs defenders, but they don't need oh, no. defenders this badly, oh, okay. right? Like because mm-hmm. because the goal for the Hornets should be to put together a roster that can compete in the playoffs. And I think Dylan Brooks was part of the reason the Grizzlies ultimately are no longer playing in the playoffs. And it's not it's not just the words that he had that seemed to uh, enrage LeBron James. It's it's also his shooting, his offense. Like I mean, you know, we talk about all the time these guys that play on one side of the floor. The, the Hornets have a lot of guys that play well on the offensive end of the floor and they can't play defense to save their lives. And for Dylan Brooks, it's the exact opposite. I think there are other options out there to get lockdown defenders that aren't such a liability on the offensive end. And you don't have to deal with some of this, uh, these intangible things. Like I would rather see them bring in, you know, someone with a, a little bit more playoff experience, veteran savvy that understands like the, there's certain things you do and you don't do in the playoffs. And, and I don't think Dylan Brooks is that guy. Well, I mean, Doug, offensively, it is so bad. You mentioned the points per shot attempt, but it can't be, and I mean every single year, the point per per shot attempt is in the lower percentile, among the lowest percentiles of any player at the wing position, but also the usage percentage is among the higher percentiles. In fact, it went down this year compared to what it was the three previous seasons, and it was still in the 78th percentile. So the other thing is, it's not like, okay, if we just take the basketball out of his hands a lot more, a lot more, and just have him be a spot-up shooter, then he'll play a lot better. Well, no, because the three-point shot doesn't fall at a high enough rate. So even if we take the basketball out of his hands and then just have him be out there on the three-point line, let's say LaMelo penetrates, kicks out, Dylan Brooks out there for three, he's not a good three-point uh, enough three-point shooter. Defensively, yes, he's a good defender. And I know everybody's going to hate on him for the LeBron comments. I didn't love him either. I, I don't – I love being competitive. I, I like the agitator, right? But, like – even a Pat Beverly who gets on a lot of people's nerves, at least it comes from what seems like a genuine place. And it does seem like he has an impact on the floor in a way where he might get in your head, right? Dylan Brooks, it, he's just out here being nobody's dirty. Nobody's buying and, it. Nobody's, nobody's buying, buying it. it. That's right. the problem. So, I don't, I don't, who, look, he's not going to go to China. I mean, that's, that's going way too far, which everybody's talking about how he's going to be out of the league. That's, that's not going to happen. Somebody's going to pick him up. But as a Hornets fan, no, I don't want to go after Dylan Brooks and pay whatever he's looking for, to be honest with you. Well, let's talk about what he's looking for, because Ramona Shelburne of ESPN reports that, uh, (laughs) you know, maybe part of the reason why they didn't want to bring him back under any circumstances is because he wanted somewhere in the neighborhood of twenty five million dollars per year. Okay, more than (laughs) that's more than P.J. Washington is demanding and and I think that uh you know that that would be ridiculous that the Hornets are certainly I mean Mitch Kupchak has already said they're not big game hunting uh so I 25 million dollars for Dylan Brooks I would qualify that as big game hunting so that price you know if the Hornets were to entertain this at all that price has got to get a lot more reasonable but in a in a season that you're already going to be dealing with a little bit of backlash, if you decide to bring back Miles Bridges, you're going to be dealing with a little PR oh, yeah. issue. You know, I just think contextually, I just don't see the Hornets making waves in that way, bringing on Dylan Brooks and whatever attention that brings. 
But who knows? I mean, the Hornets, if 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 the price comes down and they're desperate enough for defense, I'm not going to like put it out of the realm of possibility. They they may take this, you know, if the price comes significantly down because other teams aren't interested in pursuing that, you know, then it becomes a, a point where a, a smaller market team might have an advantage, uh, you know, to to take a chance on a guy like that. So I'm not going to put it out of the realm of possibility, but but I don't necessarily think it would be the smartest move. No, I agree. I don't think it'd be the smartest move. And especially, you know, the defense did improve this past season. And a big part of that is because of the head coach. Let's talk about it more coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. We've been doing player recaps. Let's now do a coach recap. Steve Clifford. By the way, we have a report from Jake Fisher within the last few days, if I'm not mistaken. Don't know the exact what? time stamp on it. But we're going we will fishing? Got my fishing hat. Let's go. <laughs> got the lure in there. There you go. Got a big one. Uh, I, I did it for one. you. because the, yeah, There you go. We needed to hear it from you. All right. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors for a championship team. It's all about, I still love, we got a big one. I don't know why. It's, it gets to me. It's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit it's the same when it comes to your vehicle every part needs to fit just right so the next time you need parts and accessories head to ebay motors with ebay guaranteed fit you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around just add your ride to the my garage tab and look for the green check to know the part will fit or you get your money back Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game. And when you shop on eBay Motors, and with over 122 million parts to choose from on eBay Motors, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, the right prices, all on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Let's talk about Steve Clifford coming up next. This is Locked on Hornets. Now that we have this question, I got—I I feel like I need to ask this. Mm-hmm. Are y'all sweet potato pie folks or you pumpkin pie folks? Pumpkin pie folks. Sweet potato folk. Pumpkin pie. Sweet yeah. potato. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Doug, I think you're right. The black wasn't working. I, I do think this is the better Quail Hollow equipped bucket hat. So I reversed it back. I think you are right about that. Now I'll be welcomed again. Thank you. We welcome you for listening to Lockdown Hornet. Dylan Brooks, not necessarily our favorite to bring here. And even if he helps defensively, as we were mentioning, Doug, this is a team that did get better defensively, especially post all-star break. Not only were they better defensively overall, defensive rating, I believe they finished third. They were first in the NBA heading into that Oklahoma City game, but they were still number one in transition defense, which if you are a Hornet sicko yourself, okay, then that means that it is literally the biggest change you can make. They were the worst transition defense. Uh, Under James Brago, it was a constant problem, and then they – got all the way towards the top. The fact that the Hornets were playing that well, they were getting back on D. It was an identity change. Thanks to guys like Dennis Smith Jr., Mark Williams, other defenders, PJ Washington, of course, helping out, but also Steve Clifford, Doug, like that is the identity. That is the thing in which Steve Clifford is known for. And this is the report I was talking about. So this was actually dropped. Okay. So it was a while back. This was actually earlier in the month, not necessarily within the last week. So this was uh, this was in April. And Jake Fisher of Yahoo Sports said, quote, the organization's present leadership structure 
has no intention of making a change when it comes to their head coach. However, Jake Fisher did caution that there does, quote, remain the potential for a new ownership structure to oversee staffing changes, and Clifford's short-term contract would present little obstacle for Fresh Hornets leadership to pick a new play caller of its choosing. To direct quote from uh, Jake Fisher there. So, look, this is the thing we've talked about. Nothing new. It's just we do know that if the current ownership is in place, Steve Clifford, we expect back next season. Overall, what did you make in his first year back with the Hornets? I thought he did a fantastic job considering all of the obstacles that that he had to overcome, uh, not just the injuries. Uh, those were certainly, you know, to hold this team together through those injuries, though, you really can't understate that because I think a lot of other teams would have really buckled under that pressure and lost even more games and and really I think not developed at all because it's not even about the number of wins or losses really I mean you're talking about probably five to ten games here or there that they would have been worse with maybe another coach but it's did certain guys get better from game one to game 82 and in seasons that are true disasters you know that doesn't tend to happen but you did see moments when this team did start to put a little bit uh, of the defense together. The problem, of course, is they couldn't put the offense and the defense together at the same time, and that's where you really factor in the injuries. What could he have done, you know, if uh, they they did have all of those bodies available all year long? Uh, But, you know, Clifford needed to prove that this team could play defense because they really couldn't under the the former – uh, coach and James Borrego. So part of the reason why you bring Steve Clifford on is because he's a guy that is known for coming in and getting young teams to play better defense, to be more accountable, to play better as a team. And there was a stretch there, you know, that crossed over the all-star break where the Hornets uh, were one of the better defensive teams in the league. Um, and it equated to wins. That's when they had their five game winning streak. And uh, they added two more against Detroit and New York. Um, and so, you know, I think he did an admirable job, uh, and and I think he's going to be a good shepherd for this team. You know, and I'm glad that they've decided to stick with him. Uh, I think that's the right move, providing consistency and coaching to Lamelo Ball. He, you know, Clifford did a great job of coming in and establishing good relationships with a lot of players, but most importantly, Lamelo Ball seems to really respect you know the research that Steve Clifford does on your game and the way he treats players. His philosophy with players are, look, these guys, I I have to assume they're professionals and they make a lot more money than I do. And so there's a certain way that you have to talk to these guys in order to get them to do the things that, you know, you know, as a coach are the right things for them to do. But you have to convince them. And the way you do that is with evidence and you show them tape and and you, you know, convince them that, hey, if you do it this way, you know, then good things will happen. And so I think he took that approach with a lot of these players, and, and they really responded to it. So many players this season, Walker, said after games that they lost horribly, they would say, Coach gave us a good game plan. Yeah. We messed it up. Okay? that To me, that's a sign, hey, Coach is doing something right. Well, and, and you can see, look, this is an extreme example. This is at the peak of emotion of a devastating loss when Giannis says that we didn't make any adjustments, and that falls on the coach. Um, so it is, it look, right. uh, maybe that kind of emotion would draw something bigger out from a Hornets player. Okay. I, I acknowledge that maybe this is a stretch at the same time players, if it gets bad enough, 
don't have any problem saying we didn't make any adjustments and that sort of being a mask, not very good camouflage and criticizing the coach. And you never heard that from any Charlotte Hornet player this year. You didn't hear that from Terry Rozier. You didn't hear from Kelly Oubre. And to give both of those guys credit, they would always come in and say, yeah, we just didn't carry it out the way we were supposed to. We didn't execute it the way that we were supposed to. Another thing I'll say about Steve Clifford, Doug, he carried the reputation of not playing young players. The classic joke is that he won't play Victor Wimbenyaba once they draft him number one overall. While it being funny, I don't know if it's factual. We got to see everybody get an opportunity this year. It's not. We got to see everyone get an opportunity. Clifford reminded you of that. Book Knight did at the beginning of the season. Injuries were the cause of him getting another one at the end of the season, but Book Knight got some run. Kai Jones got run. Every single player on the team. Yes, injuries were a factor, but also, as I've mentioned a million times, Book Knight was going to get that no matter what. JT Thor got some time. Nick Richards, as we were just mentioning, he was out there at the very beginning of the season playing well against the Spurs playing well against in the third game. I forget who the opponent was, but then Doug, even if you wanted to hold him accountable for not playing Mark, Mark Williams enough, well, okay. He hits the ground running right after Christmas and plays well. And so you, you can decide whether, Oh, see, this was evidence that he should have been playing earlier, or this is evidence that this was the right timeline for him. Wh- whatever you want to view that as wherever you want to fall at the end of the day, Steve Clifford gave everybody an opportunity. They honestly had more wins than I expected at the very beginning of the season, right? When everything was going so horribly wrong, we get a couple months in. If you were to tell me they're actually going to end up 27 wins, I'd be like, oh, okay, that's actually more than I probably would have accounted for. Or I thought they would be more tank city and they have the fourth best odds. So all in all, yeah, I, I do think people really gravitated towards building good relationships with Steve Clifford, which this year, really all you can ask for. Yeah, we have to give shouts to Steve Clifford because he became uh, the all-time franchise leader in coaching wins at 223. He passed our guy, Alan Bristow, uh, for that award. So, you know, he, I think... You know, you. I think you and I both agree that he's solidly in second place in in our coaching rankings to to the great Paul Silas, um, and and then maybe Dave Cowan's under him. Uh, yeah. Just, be, I mean, and maybe you could quibble. Maybe you go Dave Cowan's because you know he did lead some of those better Hornets teams. But I think Clifford's longevity. I think you just have to give it to Clifford because he's long suffering, because this <laughs> team has really not given him. Uh, the level of talent that's necessary that should complement what I think is Clifford's greatest strength, and that is his experience with playoff teams. He understands what wins in the playoffs, and and just yeah. coming from the Thibodeau Van Gundy tree, like he just understands, you know, I think what wins playoff series, and he hasn't really had the talent and the circumstance necessary uh, to achieve that goal. And if there's a real tragedy of this season. I think it's that he didn't really get the opportunity to fully – he had to come into the job late, and then he didn't really get a good enough opportunity to help the squad understand fully you know, what it takes to play in meaningful games. And they didn't get an opportunity to avenge those play-in blowouts. Uh, but what should excite you is that on the other side of that, you know, it gets darkest before the dawn. On the other side of that, Beautiful. if they do stay healthy and they get a big-time a big time draft pick – then hold, you know, buckle in, hold on to your seats, bucket hat. (laughs) Last, last thing I want to say about Steve Clifford too, 
one, it, it doesn't count for wins in the box score. Good stats. Yada, yada. It doesn't count for any of that. Awesome, dude. I do think it counts for player relationships, which were clearly strong this past season, but he's an awesome guy. And I do want him to have success in the playoffs because it's what he wants badly. It's what he wants more than anything. I, I don't know how different that is from any other coach. I can just tell you what I heard from him at the coach's luncheon before the season started and all hell broke loose because it wasn't long after the coach's luncheon where Miles Bridges was arrested, where James Booknight also had the legal issues, where LaMelo Ball eventually only plays 36 games due to injury. Gordon Hayward actually hits the high mark and gets 50 games under his belt, and that's the high mark. You know, after all hell broke loose, it was all after Steve Clifford said, I want to get to the postseason. All coaches are going to be measured by their playoff success, and he understands it. And I do think you're right, Doug. It's funny, when you were saying his biggest strength, you said exactly what I was thinking. He does create an awesome game plan for a playoff series. We saw it the only time that they got there when he was here. And we saw it really as funny as it is. Purple shirt guy! I know. (laughs) And honestly, remember Orlando found a way to beat Toronto in game one when the Raptors would eventually win the championship. DJ Augustine, baby, you sickos. You sicko brigade members out there. DJ Augustine hit the game winner. And and Steve Clifford. Larry Brown! (laughs) Oh, Brooke Lopez. That kills me. Can I say one more thing? Uh, Because we've got this Howard Beck interview coming up, and and a lot of this has to do with that Howard Beck interview, which is that uh, this whole idea of Steve Clifford knowing what it takes to win in the playoffs. But I wanted to know from somebody who has covered a lot of playoff teams what he thinks uh, that means. And so you're going to hear that coming up in just a second. But if there's a if there is a just and loving set of basketball gods, then the Hornets will get Wimbenyama so that Steve Clifford can coach a generational talent. He's assistant coached Tracy McGrady. He's assistant coached Dwight Howard, prime Dwight Howard and Lakers Dwight Howard as well and Kobe. Like he and he's been around Kevin Durant in Brooklyn and Kevin Durant loves him. Like yeah. stars love this guy. And he deserves really? not only LaMelo Ball, but he deserves Wimbenyama. And so for that reason, I believe that it's probably going to go to Ime Odoka and Houston Rockets. There That's are correct. no basketball gods! There are none. But Howard Beck is pretty good. Basketball god of a writer, if you will. <laughs> and he joined us coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. There's a conversation that Doug Branson had with the legend, Howard Beck. You've heard him on the Low Post podcast. You've heard him. You've read his work. He's been covering the NBA for a long time, covered those Lakers teams, the Shaq and Kobe. Really uh, was awesome doing that. I mean, he's been everywhere. I'm sure if you haven't, if the name kind of rings a bell, go look him up. I'm sure you've heard his voice before, and you're about to see him in just a moment right here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast, so stay tuned. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. BetterHelp, it's so easy to get caught up in what everyone needs from you. You never really take a moment to think about what you need from yourself. But when we spend all of our time giving, it can leave us feeling stretched thin and burned out. But therapy can can give you the tools 
to find more balance in your life so you can keep supporting others without leaving yourself behind. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and then switch therapist anytime for no additional charge if that's what you choose to do. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA. Howard Beck, coming up next. This is Locked On Hornets. To start this off, we all know about LeBron and how he built a school and it got a lot of fanfare. By the time 2019 closes, Bismack Biombo is planning to have six. Schools. Take that, LeBron. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Happy to be joined by the great Howard Beck. Uh, Going to talk some ownership talk. But first, uh, Howard, I, I want to talk about the NBA playoffs. You're very familiar with that. You've covered it for a long time. The Hornets, uh, and maybe Hornets fans, are not so familiar with playoff basketball because the franchise has not won a playoff series in a tw- exactly uh, 21 years, almost to the date. Uh, <laughs> the, the the amount of time that the Hornets have not won a playoff series is legally allowed to drink in the United States. Uh, so so um, they do have a few reasons to hope, though. They've got LaMelo Ball, possibly a top pick in this uh, coming NBA draft. And they've got a coach in Steve Clifford who seems like he has an understanding of how to build in the regular season for the type of game that wins in the playoffs. And he harps on that a lot. So I want to ask you, as someone who's covered this uh, extensively and have talked to a lot of the major players, what makes the NBA playoffs a different kind of game than the regular season? And beyond having a lot of talent, I mean, that's obviously going to win you playoff series. But beyond that, what sets teams apart that can win playoff series versus teams that are just happy to be invited to the party? Yeah. Well, uh, thanks for having me, Doug. Um, Condolences to all the Hornets fans who have been waiting a very, very long time uh, for a breakthrough. Um, Since I'm based in New York and I'm seeing like the absolute exhilaration and joy among Knicks fans who are finally back. And of course, they were in a couple years ago, too, but they hadn't won a playoff series in 10 years. Um, so I, I, I know well through uh, my surroundings and, and friends, uh, the, the, the emotional toll that the, that the drought has. <laughs> I also have Northern California roots. Uh, and uh, obviously the Kings finally had their breakthrough after a very, very long drought. So uh, the funny thing about the Hornets drought, of course, not, not funny, not really humorous, funny, but uh, it, it's actually part Hornets, part Bobcats, part other Hornets who are now Pelicans that are involved in this, this long drought. Right. So uh, it's a very confusing drought, um, which somewhat speaks to the state of uh, NBA basketball in Charlotte over the last couple of decades. But anyway, um, let's, let's hope that they find their way through. Who knows? Maybe a Victor Wembanyama lands in their lap in a couple of months and, and we're uh, having a much different discussion this summer. Um, the play, it's a funny thing about the playoffs being quote unquote different, right? They obviously are. Um, and Steve Clifford, uh, as a veteran coach, uh, knows that well. When you drill down and you try to get people to explain the why, it gets really interesting because it's it's this kind of, even in this era of advanced stats and all this extra data and all the study that's been done, I think people in the game struggle with how to explain it. Well, the game slows down. Well, why does it slow down? 
you know right. and i'm not sure if that's really the truth anymore but uh, I'd, I'd have to look up the pace stats to, to see if that still uh, holds but that's the belief i think there's a couple of things that are just very i don't want to say obvious but i mean they, they should be readily apparent right one you've you've gotten rid of all the really bad teams right so you might have been a great regular season team that doesn't hold up in the postseason we've seen that happen before because sometimes you're you're a team that's built to you know beat all the bad teams and right. beat the, the good teams just enough, right? The truly great teams are the teams that have that, you know, uh, you know, undefinable combination of high-end talent, a certain kind of chemistry and um, a cohesion. And it's, it's a hard thing to, to, um, you know, put a, a definition on the playoffs are different. So, so the, so there's that part of it. The playoffs are different because you are only playing other good teams, mm -hmm. good to great teams. Then there's the fact that because defense is has been kind of determinative in champions, you can start going back from finals to Western Conference or to the conference final rounds, the semifinal rounds, and it'll maybe be a little bit less with each round that you're moving backwards, but defense matters more. And so part of what happens, whether it's the game slowing down, whether it's just harder to score, uh, you know, score in, in the postseason, um, you are almost by definition facing much better defensive teams. Uh, you've gotten rid of all the really crappy ones. Um, and so there's that aspect. And then on a very, just basic human level, the stakes are higher. And so everything feels more important. And so every possession has this added urgency, the, the buildings themselves, you know, come alive in a different way because the fans are involved at a, at a, in a different level. And these are things that we still can't quantify, no matter how many cameras are in the rafters, no matter how many things that uh, synergy or second spectrum, all this stuff that we, we try to measure and quantify. You can't quantify the human element of this matters more now. I feel differently when I go out on the court. The fans sound different. And it is lending a different aspect to every possession. And so... Um, that may just be the an intensity level on the positive side. It may be an anxiety level on the negative side and where look, just no, look no further than the Cleveland Cavaliers absolutely folding in the first round. Um, and all credit due to the Knicks for having, you know, caused them to wilt on some level. But some of that seemed to me just to see, to just to be young players who are caught in the glare and just didn't know what to do in that moment. Darius Garland and Evan Mobley are much better players than they showed in that series. And it wasn't entirely just the Knicks shutting them down. They just missed shots and, and did not seem up for the moment. They're young. Um, that intensity level can have different effects on, on guys. So um, that's my, my best attempt um, to kind of off the top of my head, describe something that I feel like is still kind of um, undefinable. Yeah, no, I, th I think it was a great description. I think that uh, the the anxiety of playing with those kind of stakes manifests itself in a lot of different ways. <laughs> uh, sometimes I, I, it could, man especially with young teams, it could manifest itself, uh, you know, and, and uh, maybe calling a team old or or, or, or calling a superstar, uh, you know, old, you know. So saying things uh, you shouldn't say. Listen, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it, I'll, I'll even add this before I forget. It even affects us, the media. I, there was a younger reporter who I ran into along the way uh, within the last couple of weeks who mentioned to me, I, I know that covering these games is the same as all the other games I've covered, but this feels different. I said, yeah, it is. It is. And like, I've been doing this for 26 years and I walk into an arena for a playoff game, and especially for the finals. I have no emotional investment. I don't care about the outcome. 
I still, I get these weird kind of butterflies myself. And part of it is my own kind of, you know, Hey, I want to, I want to write a really great story about this, especially on the night that the championship is going to be decided. If you, if you know, going in that that's the night it may happen. I do find I put a more of a pressure on myself, even as a writer to capture the moment. Yeah. And so it is impossible to walk into these buildings in the playoffs and not feel it. It is a different energy. Awesome stuff from Howard Beck. Really appreciate it. He's actually going to be on with the next episode too. Doug Branson, he's got him uh, locked in his closet, just like Raphael Barlow. He's holding him hostage. So we get <laughs> one more segment to go um, with Howard Beck. Quiet, That's going to be tomorrow though. So <laughs> stop it. Get out of here, uh, but then come back for one more segment tomorrow. Great stuff. We appreciate you for joining us, making us your first listen. Make your second listen, Game to Game NBA. As always, every moment, every top performance, every result, Locked On Game to Game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow Game to Game on Locked On NBA, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. Player recap for Nick Richards. Howard Beck going to be talking about his latest article on the Bucks sale. That'll be tomorrow. Until then, have a great rest of your day.